I know. I know how it sounds. I'm under a spell. I'm enchanted. Sure, it's inconceivable, but it's a fact. I tell you, there are such things, and they're right here in New York. There are? Yes. That girl you know, Gillian Holroyd, she's one. A witch? Yes. Chef, you just never learned to spell. From the darkest corners of Chicago, this is the unenthusiastic critics' Halloween movie marathon. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the unenthusiastic critic. I'm Michael McDonough. I write about film and television at unaffiliatedcritic.com. With me today. And she's not only merely here, she's really most sincerely here, is my lovely wife, Nakia, also known as the unenthusiastic critic. Hello. On today's episode, Nakia and I conclude our 2021 Halloween movie marathon with her first viewing of a recent horror masterpiece, Robert Eggers' debut feature, The Witch, from 2015. But before we get to the movie, Nakia, I thought we would have a little discussion about witches. Okay. We've been doing these horror marathons for a few years now, and we try to have sort of genre conversations about pop culture. Um, and honestly, at this point, we've had pretty much all, all of, of them. them. Yeah. <laughs> but I realize we have not actually talked about witches in any serious way. I think we did a little when we watched Suspiria, mm. which was full of, as you called it, witchy shit. <laughs> <laughs> but we haven't really dug into the witch as a pop culture figure. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if I've told you this. I mean, this is probably something I should have disclosed up front. You have actually married into a family of witches. Really? Indeed. Okay. If family legend is to be believed, and let me be clear, it probably isn't. <laughs> I think there was some highly questionable genealogy involved. My mother is a direct descendant of George Jacobs, an 83-year-old farmer who was hanged as a witch in Salem, Massachusetts in 1692. Wow. Right? We were very proud when we discovered that. Okay. So, you know, my family bears the scars of America's All right. shameful history of intolerance. Let's and that has been hard to bear. Dial it back, friend. I don't know if you can even imagine. Dial it all <laughs> the way back. Because I also believe... Part of your genealogy includes the scalping of Native Americans <laughs> somewhere in there as well. But we don't talk about that part so, so much. Balance in the universe <laughs> sort of thing. Okay, seriously, and we will talk about this more when we actually talk about the movie, but Robert Eggers, the writer and director of this film we're watching today, talks about witches as an inherited nightmare. <laughs> he says the first nightmares he ever had were about witches, and that's part of what inspired this movie. And he grew up, as I did, in New England. Uh, he grew up in New Hampshire. I grew up in Maine. And he has said, These kinds of stories were part of the imaginary playground and consciousness of my childhood. Without sounding like a New Age crystal worshiper, you can feel something there in these old dilapidated colonial farms and hidden graveyards in the middle of a pine forest. And I think that's true. I think growing up as a kid in New England, there was witchy shit <laughs> just sort of soaked into the culture. Mm-hmm. I grew up. Again, in Maine, in a town called Bucksport. And one of our few dubious tourist attractions, quote-unquote, was the tomb of the town's founder, Jonathan Buck. And his tombstone is supposed to be cursed by a witch. Hmm. Uh, it has a mark or a stain on the stone in the shape of what looks like a foot. 
and that is supposed to be the mark of the witch's foot. Supposedly, he burned or hanged a witch, and she cursed him. And, you know, the, the legend is that his gravestone has been replaced several times, and yet this mark <laughs> always reappears on the stone. Mm -hmm. So, and this is, like, right in the town square, and it is, like, a tourist people. There's postcards and stuff of this stone with a witch's foot on it. Uh, this story is, first of all, bullshit. <laughs> there is, you know, no record of any witches ever being killed in Maine. This guy, whoever he was, would not have been, you know, empowered <laughs> to persecute witchcraft. So there's almost certainly no truth to it. Second of all, even as fiction, even as local legend, I always found it kind of unsatisfying. Because it was a foot? Well, okay. So first of all, <laughs> the witch has no name, no story. There's no more backstory uh. to it than what I just told you. It's some faceless, nameless witch. And then, yeah. Well, second of all, what the fuck kind of curse is that? You know, so like a... Oh, you burned me at the stake, so I'm going to put my foot on your gravestone. Sure. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> Sort of some sort of, you know, the eternal, I'm going to put my foot up your ass sort of thing. Or it's just like, my foot will for eternity be on your gravestone. Uh, it's just, yeah, it's not a great story. No, it's not a classic. Sure. <laughs> Nonetheless, I think New England is just saturated with that kind of stuff. And I think probably every town has this local witch legend. Uh, so you growing up in Las Vegas, I don't know if you had quite the same culture. Did you grow up with an awareness of witches around you? <laughs> No, I don't remember any witch lore, but that doesn't mean that there isn't. I mean, there are a lot of bodies buried there, so I'm sure <laughs> uh, there's something. I'm sure there are, like, curses on hotels and all kinds of things. But, yeah, I, I don't think that I... I didn't grow up with that kind of witch. Okay, um, what about in your family? Are there is there any witches in your family <laughs> that I should be aware of? Not that I've been told. I wish... No. Let me, hold on. Let me think on that. Yeah. You, you see, you need to think about that, don't you? Well, see, this is where we get into sort of pop culture's definition of a witch and how and what witches look like right. in actuality in particular communities. Either way, I, I don't think that there was any of that in my family. If there were, I feel like, I feel like the men would have come to worse ends. But <laughs> there was... If you had any power in your family. Plenty of reason to, yeah. you know. Mm -hmm. So, no, yeah. Um, so I don't think that there was any of that in my family that I have been told or that I have witnessed. Okay. But it would have been, you know, that would have been nice. <laughs> so what about what about popular culture? What's mm -hmm. your... The, when I say witch to you, what's the first thing you picture? So I have like a pretty broad range okay. in my head when you say witch. Okay. Ranging from everything from like childhood depictions of witches, mm -hmm. which is, you know, Hazel from Looney Tunes, <laughs> one of my favorites, who was... Bonus points for knowing her name. I actually had to look it up. I was like, okay. what is that bitch's name? Um, So... I love her because she was all about, she wanted to be ugly. And I, I think that there is this thing about like witches needing to be beautiful and they want to sort of suck the youth and beauty from others. Uh -huh. She was all about, no, I want to be ugly. I, I need to know ugly. that I'm the ugliest ugly one beautiful. in the world. Yes. Mm -hmm. Magic mirror on the wall. Who is the ugliest one of all? By my troth, I will avow. There's none that's uglier than thou. I'm so deathly afraid of getting pretty as I grow older. And she had this thing where she like ran really fast. All these hairpins would just be flying <laughs> yeah, behind I her. That. <laughs> and for some reason I just love that little <laughs> 
she had a great she had a great cackle. She too. she, she, she was, did. Yeah. I just love her little like she was just an interesting it was just like a cute little funny character for Looney Tunes. Okay, so. well that messes up one of my theses because okay. I was thinking about this. Okay. And I was thinking for a lot of other quote unquote monsters and I yes, I recognize how problematic mm-hmm. that designation is in this case. But there's probably a lot of variety what someone's first vampire movie is, what someone's first werewolf movie is. Sure. My guess is that everybody has the same first witch memory. I mean And that's gonna be the Wizard of Oz. See, the Wizard of Oz actually wouldn't be my. First okay, movie. see, that's that's what I said. You just you just messed yeah. up my, my thesis here. I actually didn't see the Wizard of Oz until fe- fairly late in wow. my childhood. I mean, and let's the Wiz is better. Like it just is. <laughs> so, so my first would have been the Looney Tunes, and then I had a cousin who had all of those Disney VHS tapes that came in like the super thick, like yeah, the big plastic cases. big plastic mm-hmm. cases. So it would have been Sleeping Beauty, Cinderella, Snow White. Snow White Little Mermaid, like those would have been my sort of foundational witches. Okay, that's interesting. Again, who I all, I loved all of them, and I always thought the witches were the more interesting characters, mm-hmm. and they had the better cheekbones. Like, <laughs> fucking Jesus, the cheekbones. <laughs> Ursula was a just gorgeous woman, witch, octopus thing, whatever she was. So those were my first witches of just like, okay. it wasn't the, aside from Hazel, it wasn't the green skin, mm-hmm. wart on the nose, black hat thing. It was fabulous women with amazing cheekbones who really just wanted to get, like, these wimpy princesses out of their way. Just like, <laughs> just get the fuck out of my way. So you sided with the witches. I sided with the witches nine times out of ten. Okay. Yeah. All right. So who are some of your favorite pop culture witches? Um, so, I mean, all the ones I just, I, mean, I love the Disney witches. Okay. So who's your favorite amongst, though, amongst oof, the Disney villains? Oof. Because those are pretty pretty fundamental. They are. So I, it's a toss-up in terms of fabulousness between the witch and Sleeping Beauty. She, the drag, she can turn into a dragon, right? She can That's turn, into, that a dragon, turn into, a dragon. into a dragon. And she just, like, the outfit, she had the cloak game and the, the staff <laughs> and, like, again, cheekbones. Um, <laughs> so it's a toss-up between her and Ursula, and who I, know, I, I know, also I know think is just... Ursula. I admit that in the past I've been a nasty... They weren't kidding when they called me well a witch But you'll find that nowadays I've mended all my ways Repented, seen the light and made a switch Two years And I fortunately knew a little magic It's a talent that I always have possessed And here lately, please don't laugh I use it on behalf of the miserable, lonely and depressed Pathetic I think she's amazing. Uh, <laughs> so those, those would be probably my two of that sort of genre of witch. Then we get into The Wiz, and I loved Eveline. <laughs> she had the best songs in the in the movie. Villains always get the good they, songs. She's got the best yeah, When I wake up in the afternoon, which it pleases me to do, don't nobody bring me no bad news. You better bone up on the rules Cause don't nobody bring me no bad news You can't be my best of friends As opposed to paying dues But don't nobody bring me no bad news And it was just, she 
just wanted her people to work. Like, don't, like, just just do the oh, work. I mean, it was a sweatshop. Yeah, it was a sweatshop. That's not, no. <laughs> just wanted her Nothing people. admirable there. I just need you to get my work done. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and then you have Lena Horne as the, you know, the, mm-hmm, as the, good, the witch. good witch. And she was beautiful and ethereal. And her song is a really beautiful moment in the film as well. Cheekbones. Then I would say it was probably a while before I came back to witches. And that probably would have been like that 90s moment where all of a sudden witches had their like resurgence. Yeah. Okay. So let's culture. let's talk about that. And I, know, and I know some of the movies you're heading towards. So let's talk about that a little bit. Mm-hmm. Kesey Staller, writing in Teen Vogue, traces the popularity of witches in popular culture to the various waves of the feminist movement. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, in the second half of the 20th century, second wave feminism gave us stuff like Bell, Book, and Candle, Bewitched, Mm. those images of witches, right? And then third wave, this is the area you're talking about. Third wave feminism in the 90s, there was this resurgence of witches in popular culture. We had Sabrina the Teenage Witch, Mm -hmm. we had Buffy the Vampire Slayer, we had Charmed, Practical Magic, The Craft... Mm -hmm. And various writers have have linked that to, like, the Anita Hill moment and stuff like that. (laughs) That there's, you know, what was happening in the 90s inspired this. Stoller writes, The coven of witchy characters in popular culture almost certainly goes deeper than a seasonal dedication to all things spooky. If past trends have taught us anything, when the witches arrive en masse, it's almost always a direct reflection of the ills society is leveling against women. And she talks about, we're we're going through another similar (laughs) resurgence of witches right now. Because, boy... She says, are there ills aplenty right now? Mm-hmm. So that's that, I think, is your favorite witchy era, is that 90s, right? Yeah, I mean, it also just hit me at the right time, right? Because, mm-hmm. like, I'm a teenager, um, and so I think that that's when, like, yes, it is tied to this desire to assert a sort of level of control and ownership of female power and also community among women. Mm-hmm. I think it also became more of an aesthetic identity in popular culture than maybe it had before. And so that made it more marketable and more mainstream. Mm-hmm. And I think that that also just co- contributed to sort of how it was able to sort of saturate the zeitgeist in that moment. So who are your favorites from, from that era? I mean, you have to... It's like, and I, w- I have to say for the record, since we just... I mentioned it last week, I did watch <laughs> Teen Witch. <laughs> In in preparation for this conversation. You did. Teen Witch is just <laughs> such a movie of its time. It's peak 80s. It is very peak 80s. And I don't even know how I came across it. <laughs> but it, it has it, it does hold a place in my heart because it is such a corny ass movie <laughs> in so many ways. It's, it's not a good movie. It is <laughs> It's on any level. It's not a good movie. <laughs> it is perfect because it has the woman from Poltergeist. Yes, yeah, Zelda Rubenstein. Teaching this suburban, nerdy white chick like how to be a witch. And the only thing she really wants to do is be popular and date the the jock. Right. And so, and she sort of helps people along the way. Like she's a nice witch. And so she helps like a teacher and she helps her best friend battle rap this. <laughs> other really dorky dude who she thinks is super cool because mm, him and his like yeah. crew can rap i'm rap is all the quotes around <laughs> the word rap <laughs> but it's again it's like wish fulfillment manifestation of like this is who i think i should be 
and using and stepping into your power in that way. And right. the whole thing, like she gets her powers when she's 16. And, you know, that's, tech, you know, when girls become women. women right. I think that is a common, a common trope and, in these stories. But it's it's super cheesy, super corny. And yet for the battle rap scene alone, <laughs> I think it is worth everyone's time because it's excruciatingly painful to watch. What's this? Stop that. But give. Stop that. I don't really give a about trying to stop that. Stop that. Big deal. Stop that. Unreal. You can try to you blue. I will make a fool of you. Stop that. And the fact that magic was needed. To get this. To get this level of rap. <laughs> it wasn't like all of a sudden she was Nas, right? Like, right. <laughs> it was just, she wasn't all of a sudden Lauren Hill, you know, but I love, yes. Uh, so Teen Witch is a good one. Oh, so the other movie I mentioned last week uh, and said I would watch since it was a gap in my own viewing mm-hmm. was The Witches from mm-hmm. 1990, mm-hmm. which I had somehow never seen. And here we should include a shout out to a listener and donor, Joel, who reminded us recently that I I had confessed in a previous episode that I had never seen Teen Witch or The Witches, <laughs> and that maybe we would do a whole episode about those. We are obviously not going to do a whole episode <laughs> about those, but I did sit down and watch them both. Teen Witch was pretty awful. I actually liked The Witches. Okay, first of all, Teen Witch was not awful. <laughs> it was kind of, it's a little off. I mean, I get it. I, God knows there's 80s movies that I love because I saw them as a teenager or whatever. Mm-hmm. Even though they're not objectively good movies. That was an objectively good movie. Okay. <laughs> but The Witches is pretty good. I like it because it's, it's tonally weird. It's like a, a movie for little kids, but it's like got this it's dark. super, it's that Roald Dahl yeah, it's dark. quality. It's got that uh, super dark yeah. thread going through it. Wow. Witches of England. You're disgrace. Miserable witches. You're good for nothing worms. Everywhere I look, I see the repulsive sight. Of hundreds, thousands of revolting little children. I'm all for any movie that like has the balls to like fuck with children. <laughs> I agree. It. I think there should be more like that. Do it. Uh, yeah. I mean, I mean, it's Angelica Houston. So how could you? You can't go wrong with her as a witch. Okay, um, okay, so you said before you were always on the side of the witches. Were you on her side? Of course. <laughs> Kids smell. <laughs> <laughs> Kids do smell. That's absolutely true. You know, again, she's about her business. Like, she needed the kids to, like, create the potion so that they can maintain their, you know, visage Mm -hmm. and walk amongst the rest of us in peace. So it was, you know, a pyramid scheme, but um, rooted in turning children into mice. But I, I fully support it. I think it's, you know, it's a tough business. It's rough out there. I would have liked the movie better if it had kept the book's ending. And kept where, the children as Where he, he stays a mouse mm-hmm. at the end. Mm-hmm. They sort of copped out on that and gave it a little little happy ending there. Yeah, but. no, we just get that weird ending where he's, like, naked coming out of a cage. And <laughs> it's odd. Um, yeah. No, but, I, I mean, that's definitely a classic. Okay. Obviously, The Craft, because I think Rachel True was sort of one of the first, if not the first, 
black witches mm-hmm. that we had in popular culture. Having said that, she didn't really get much of a story or anything to do in that no, movie. No, she, she was given kind of short shrift in that movie. Like, all the other girls, I think you met their parents. You got a little bit of a look behind sort of what was informing how they were showing up. Rachel True didn't really get any backstory yeah. whatsoever. She was just sort of there. What I will say is I do appreciate that the film tried to talk about race and, like, address the race thing. Because that really was her whole storyline was, like, she got powers and so she started to punish Jan Brady, basically. Right. Because Jan Brady was being... Marsha Brady. Yes. yes. Mar- sorry. Marsha Brady. Yes. Um. The hot, popular <laughs> cheerleaders. Cheerleaders. Swim team. I don't remember what No, the, swim team. They were on the swim team, team. right. Yes. Yeah, and you, that, you like the scene where she makes her hair fall out. Well, it's a, it's a really interesting thing, right? Because it's like the girl had been making fun of her, making fun of Rachel True's hair mm-hmm. because it was kinky and curly. Mm-hmm. And I think she re- references it like a pubic hair. She called it a pubic yeah. hair. Oh, God, look, there is a pubic hair in my brush. Oh, no, wait, wait. That's just one of Rochelle's little nappy hairs. <laughs> Why are you doing this to me, Laura? Do you think you're funny? You really want to know why? Yes, I really want to know why. Because I don't like Negroids. And so Rachel True, her sort of revenge on that and her use of powers was taking out this blonde girl's, you know, hair, which is like her crown and glory and this... Mm -hmm. So it's... it was an interesting thing, and I think also sort of played into some of the problems around how witches of color, but particularly like black witches, are portrayed in that people think if black women had power, it would be used against white people. It would be used to sort of exact revenge against white people, mm-hmm. and that is like the totality of how we would think about our powers and use our powers. So while I appreciated it, I think it also played into... I mean, that would be on the list. If it, you know... <laughs> <laughs> Here's the deal. Nine times out of ten, I just need you to get out of my way. I need you to not be an active problem in my life. I don't want to punish you. I don't want to harm you. But I do need you to get out of my way. If you choose not to get out of my way, (laughs) then, then, you know, um, so, yeah. But it played into that of like, oh, a black woman fully owning her power is somehow a threat to white women. Right. And I feel like oftentimes in pop culture, that tends to be what it is. And so what you see is the black witch or the witch of color is the sidekick who doesn't get all the powers and you have to make sure she's slightly less powerful than the main white witch. Right. All kinds of things. There's a good article also in Teen Vogue. Teen Vogue just they have, yeah. Uh, Sarah Lyons wrote an article about this talking about, she says, though Hollywood has embraced witchcraft as a metaphor for female empowerment, that empowerment is rarely intersectional. Mm. Beautiful young white women get to be good witches while everyone else is relegated eternally to the role of being othered. And in that article, she also talks about, which coming back to the craft, how there's also still this good girl, bad girl mm-hmm. dichotomy, right? So in that movie, we have the lead character, what yeah. her name is. But anyway, her on one side, and then you've got Fruza Bach. Right. Who is just a fucking force in that movie on the other side. Yeah. Um, And this is, I think, a a dichotomy that turns up also in another one of your favorites, Practical Magic. Love Practical Magic. So this is, just going back to the craft for a second, the fact that we remember Feruza Bach's character and not the other chick. (laughs) Right. The bad witch is just more interesting. Um, (laughs) The villain is just much more interesting. Yes, practical magic. I think, and this is like, I think so much, a lot of my love for practical magic is totally based on aesthetics and like the mood of that film. Mm -hmm. 
It is not... It's not a bad movie. No, it's not. I actually really like that it's movie. It's interesting. It's trying to do... A, I, I think there's a lot going on that doesn't always like seem like it should all be in the same movie. Because at once, it's like, oh, it's this quirky little small town, and it's cute. Right. And, but then there's like serious, intimate partner violence <laughs> and, and murder. Uh-huh. And then it's a little scary because they bring someone back from the dead, and he's violent. And so it's a... It's a and it's then the ending odd, gets really silly the, again. Really silly and like the, romantic comedy. Yeah, mm-hmm. And so it's it's an odd, it's hard to put it in any single genre. I, I'm obligated to insert here, directed by Griffin Dunn. My favorite person in Werewolf in yes, London. Yes, exactly. <laughs> so, but for, for me, it really is like the mood of that movie just makes me happy. I think it is, again, totally superficial. <laughs> I, these women are brilliant. But I think it's the best they've ever looked on film for uh, me. It is. <laughs> Absolutely. It, I, I could just look again, at Sandra Bullock being, and Nicole Kidman. Yes. <laughs> Those are two actresses that I, I mean, obviously they're beautiful women. Yes. I do not find them particularly attractive in in that way mm-hmm. in any other movie, either of them. They are both hot in that They movie. look gorgeous in that film. And it's Nicole Kidman is ridiculous. Smoking, smoking hot. And the hair and like her clothes, the whole fucking vibe, right? And she's like a snake tattoo on her belly. <laughs> that scene where Sally, played by Sandra Bullock, is in, it's like a PTA meeting with the other mothers. Mm-hmm. And then Nicole Kidman's character comes in and the whole room just sort of stops and looks because you just can't uh, she's right stunning and just radiates sex and you hear the little whispers of like oh i think she slept with the coach yeah. and, oh my gosh and i think she has a little snake tattoo on her boob and she does this thing where she's like yep hold on to your husband's girls and just does this like <laughs> swivel of her hips and it's like the sexiest thing nicole kimmon has ever done on film and she sits down next to Sally, and they overhear one of the moms say some, like, snarky-ass comment about Nicole Kidman. And one and or both of them cause, like, the trapper keeper to snap clothes on this <laughs> <laughs> woman's finger. And <laughs> it's just this perfect moment of witchiness <laughs> and bitchiness and, like, pettiness that I love. And their wardrobe, like, it's the, the long floral skirts with, like, the little camisoles with the matching sweater and the long hair and the house that they live in with Stockard Channing and uh, Diane Weiss is gorgeous mm-hmm. and pure just, like, cottage, northeastern porn. <laughs> and they have the garden and they grow herbs and she has her little, like... Uh, fucking tincture shop where she sells like shampoos and shit made from natural shit and it's just you just want to live in it you just want to be in that space with so them so is that the coven you would join if you had a choice of all the I mean I would love to hang out with Stalker Channing and Diane Weiss well yes um, and have midnight margaritas with them <laughs> I would be the only black person in that town. Yes, you would. Um, but I, I appreciated it because it's also, I think it brought witches back to a naturalness that I think sometimes got lost in pop culture. Mm-hmm. Where it's like, it's not about evil. It's not root, rooted in like Satanism. Mm-hmm. It is natural. It is about balance with the earth. It is about tapping into a very natural power. And I think that that had been, that that sometimes got lost, where it was like, oh, witches aren't here. It's like, well, she's growing herbs. (laughs) That may or may not put you in a coma. (laughs) Belladonna. It's a sedative. People put it in their tea to relax, calm their nerves. Some people also use it as a poison. Which people? (laughs) Witch people. Aha. Witches. Witches. Mm -hmm. I guess you found me out, huh? Yeah. 
Yes, it did. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You should come around here on Halloween. You'd really see something then. Oh, yeah? Yeah, we all jump off the roof and fly. We kill our husbands, too. Or is that outside your jurisdiction? Do you have any idea how strange this all sounds to me? I, I, I got people telling me that you're up here cooking up placenta bars, that you're into devil worship. No, no, there's no devil in the craft. So what kind of uh, craft do you do? Do I do? Hmm. I manufacture bath oils. But then you get something like an Eve's Bayou. Yes. Which I really need to rewatch that movie. It's such that in a, a long beautiful, time. beautiful film. But yes, we have Diane Carroll in there, right? Yes, so we have Diane Carroll and Debbie Morgan as sort of practitioners of New Orleans voodoo, and it is, you know, again one of the first times that you have black and I'm like quote unquote witches represented on in on film in a way that like particularly with Debbie Morgan's character, like she is round. Mm-hmm. Like so many black characters and characters of color that are in these sort of sort of supernatural spaces, like you walk around them and they're flat, right? Like it's all done up in the front, and then you walk around and there's nothing on the back. It's right. like a, a a cutout. Debbie Morgan was round. Like you walked around her, and there was more to see as you walked around her, and more to learn about her. And she had her own interiority and her own humanity, and she was respected in the community. And the the practice was like rooted in an understanding of New Orleans voodoo as much as it could be in a you know a Hollywood film, right? And it was. Just, it was just beautifully done and it wasn't exoticized and it wasn't sensationalized and it wasn't particularly with something like New Orleans Voodoo where I think a lot of times on film what we would get would be, you know, these like frenzied bodies, black bodies yes. circling a fire pit or, you know, cutting off the head of a chicken yeah. or a goat or something. Like that. And it's just and so it took it out of that space. What? One of the movies I almost put on our list this year was Angel Heart, with mm-hmm. Lisa Bo- and there's a scene with Lisa Bonet in that movie that is exactly mm-hmm. what you just described, mm-hmm. that she's like bathing in chicken blood mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. writhing around the fire and everything, yeah. Yeah. So I appreciated it as just like, all of, all of this comes from something, like this is all a part of the diaspora, and there is like real practices behind it, there's mm-hmm. real religion behind it, there's real belief behind it, that again, is separate and apart from threat to whiteness. Right. Or this like... Or threat to maleness. Or threat which to is maleness. the other way that it's exactly. always been. Um, or this idea that it's like bestial and needs to be tamed in some way. Mm. So yeah, I love, love, love Eve Bayou for that. And so many other reasons. How do you kill someone with voodoo? <sighs> I almost forgot you was there. I mean... Do you just wish real hard that they were dead? Or do you have to do something special? I suppose you put some of that hay on a doll and stick pins in it or something. I really don't know. What makes you ask a thing like that? Nothing. Oh, you must have been thinking something right before you were thinking that. What led you to that particular thought? I don't know. Is there someone around here that you're angry with? Someone that you want dead? Well, okay, so what about what about scary witches? Mm-hmm. And I, I know you said that even, like, the scary witches in Disney, you were sort of on their side. <laughs> Do you have any scary images of witches that actually scared you as a child or um, as an adult? I don't 
I had any scary witches. It sounds like you came to the Wizard of Oz too late. Because yeah. that was the one that... I also don't That was on. They showed it every year. And we watched yeah, it as kids every year. That. And, you, you know, you that. had to run out of the room when the witch got too scary. And... No, we didn't do that. And I don't know that I would have... Like, she's... And maybe, again, maybe I just came to it too late. And maybe it would have freaked me out as a kid. But, like, she was always comical looking. Like, the green skin... Like, that whole vibe <laughs> just looked ridiculous to me. Like, that's not scary. I don't... Let me think. The Blair Witch, who we never actually even see. We never see. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I don't... I don't know that scary is the word that I would use for witches. I think there's a danger there, but only if you piss them off, for the most part. Mm-hmm. And so, I guess this is sort of similar to the conversation we were having about whether or not, like, The Terminator is a, a scary movie versus, you know... A thriller. A thriller. Right. And I was like, well, they're not talking. He's not worried about me, so I don't... It's not... <laughs> Um, I think I feel the same about witches. Like, as long as you're not on their radar right. in that way, they're not really a threat. Now, if you are, then yes, it can be the the sort of power that they wield in pop culture can be very scary. But it's like, well, I just don't try not to piss. Don't piss a witch off. Mm-hmm. And you're all right. <laughs> so, yeah. Well, I do. I do think that point about sort of the waves of feminism and how mm-hmm. that how the image of the witch changes is. Is valid, obviously, because, I mean, I think if you look back at, and this is where this movie is going, you know, early puritanical society, incredibly patriarchal, Mm -hmm. the witch is a threat. Like, that is the image, that that's, you know, oh, it's Satan and it's going to destroy the civilization we're trying to build and, you know, female sexuality and Mm -hmm. all of that is just a huge threat. And And then, yes, that changes and becomes an empowering thing as the feminist movement moves on. Mm-hmm. In an article on The Baffler, journalist Lori Penny writes about how witchcraft is once again coming into vogue right now, and she quotes author Erica Jong, the more disempowered people are, the more they long for magic, which explains why magic becomes the province of women in a sexist society. And Penny goes on to say, a general sense of powerlessness in a chaotic and competitive society, along with a revived interest in forms of feminism that don't care who they frighten, may explain the growing appeal of hedge magic as a cultural aesthetic as much as a practice. The craze for witchery displays an encouragingly wide understanding that for social change to happen, someone has to feel threatened. The paraphernalia of skulls and guts and ravens are merely a uniform that declares intent. I am not a nice, compliant creature, not a princess in training. I am something else, something darker. There are more like me. Best beware. Hmm. Which I kind of like because that sort of brings us back full circle to that Hazel in the cartoons that <laughs> wanted to be ugly. Yeah, but it's also... So I also think like in spaces like Instagram and TikTok, it very easily becomes, again, more about like the aesthetic than it is about the actual mm-hmm. resistance. So when you were talking and saying, you know, about the skulls and all these other things, mm-hmm. the, like, accoutrement of it, right? To me, that I immediately thought pussy hats, right? Right. These fucking millions of women in their pink <laughs> pussy hats. And we're here. We got our pussy hats on. And we're we're a force. And then what did you do? Right. Like, where are those pussy hats now? Like, in, buried under your fucking closet, right? And that's not to say that all, all, all of those women didn't then follow through with with whatever sort of activism made sense for them in their spaces, but it did feel like it was more of a an aesthetic moment than it was anything else. And I think there's there's value in that, but I think there's a limit to the value. So there's value in, okay, we're all doing this, as it, and it's a show of numbers, which is important. And then what? And then what happens, right. I think, is the part that 
And particularly with stuff like this where it can then easily become commodified, which I think is what also happened with the, the like the pussy hat thing. It's like, okay, now we're all just buying, spending money on pussy hats and like Swarovski encrusted pins of pussy. It's just like, okay. Um, and now it's like, oh, this sort of conflation of self-care and witchcraft mm-hmm. that is happening. And so potions and lotions and all these things. Well, it's so a Sandra like, Bullock storage. Right, right exactly. Right. And so... Which is fine, is that all that it is, like, what's underneath that, what's informing that, like, let's make sure that that's not all that witchcraft is um, being understood as, you know, and being really clear about the origins of that shit, right? So, like, when you're talking about chakras, that's a real thing, that's Hinduism. Mm -hmm. So, like, let's know what that is. When you're talking about smudging and sage, like, okay, you know, where is that coming from? A lot of that comes from, like, native populations. and Right. So, how does the revolution, quote-unquote, become a commercial activity more than anything else? And, again, you get back to, okay, and then who's being left out of that? Mm -hmm. Are the practitioners engaging in that? Are they benefiting from it in any way are people doing the work to actually learn about the shit and understanding where it all comes from and not appropriating or exoticizing something that is very real and so i think that that like that's where we should be it was just like that's a part of the fabric a cultural fabric and it is sort of an embedded part of not only taking care of self but taking care of communities that have not been cared for Right. And so that's not evil. And why would I be scared of that? That's awesome. Again, just don't fucking piss them off. (laughs) The magics you channeled are more ferocious and primal than anything you can hope to understand. And you are lucky to be alive, you rank, arrogant amateur. You're right. The magics I used are very powerful. I'm very powerful. And maybe it's not such a good idea for you to piss me off. Okay, so let's talk about this movie we're going to watch today. What do you actually know about The Witch? I actually don't know much of anything about The Witch. Okay. So, I know it's that young lady from <laughs> um, the chess movie, right? Yes. <laughs> uh, that's all I know. Anya Taylor-Joy. This yes. Was, I, I don't know if it was her first film, but this was her breakthrough role, definitely. Okay. I, I will say, just segueing from our, our previous conversation, one of the things I like, about, and I love this movie, and one of the things I like about it is I think it does, it, it's a both-and movie. Okay. Um, I think it is scary. I think it, it trucks in that inherited nightmare that Eggers talks about. Mm-hmm. But I also think it's very much aware of how that is all tied into fear of women's sexuality and all of that. I think it's it's operating on a lot of levels simultaneously in a really effective way. Okay. Um, this was Robert Eggers' first feature film. As I said, he grew up in New Hampshire. He started working in the New York theater scene. And he spent his 20s working as a set designer, a costume designer, production designer. He did props. He did basically everything before becoming a director. Mm-hmm. And you see that in this film, like this is the the level of craft in this on in this film on every level is just stunning. And almost it was obviously an obsession. Hmm. Um, he did years of research on Puritan, what a Puritan farm would actually look like. 
I listened to the director's commentary on this movie the other night, and basically the whole thing is him saying things like, that dog is not really the breed of dog it would be, but it was as close <laughs> as we could get. And it's like, that roof would not have been thatched in exactly that way. So it was like just obsessive detail in this movie. And it works because that makes it immersive. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm gonna, this is one of the few movies we watched for the podcast that I've actually written about. Oh. So I will quote from my own review on this movie. Self-quoting. Um... Set in New England in the early 17th century, The Witch is as beautifully and unnervingly immersive an experience as you are likely to have at the cinema this year. Every detail of period and place is perfectly convincing, as though this isolated Puritan farm on the edge of the unforgiving American wilderness has not been imagined, but somehow accessed. And that's how it feels. It feels like, okay, we went back in time and we filmed a horror movie mm -hmm. on this set. Mm -hmm. And he said, so in doing the research, I was able to figure out why this stupid plastic Halloween decoration was such a thing. Like, why were all these women being burned? It wasn't something that just lived in the minds of the clergy and the intelligentsia. It was everybody. The lay people had this idea of the fairy tale, witch, ogress, anti-mother, really fucking scary thing. <laughs> to do the research and see that the fairy tale world and the real world in the early modern period were the same thing. And to find the same tropes in folk tales and fairy tales and recorded accounts of historical witchcraft and in court records, it's the same witch. But it's real for these people. If your corn doesn't grow, it's a witch. If your child dies, it's a witch. And there's a reality to it. But I do think I do think that's one way to think about this movie going into it is to, and I think the movie makes you do this very effectively. You need to put yourself in that mindset mm -hmm. of that time period. Like it's it's witches were real. Hell was real. All of this was real in the minds of the people in the movie. The fairy tale world and the real world were the same world at that time, which I think is really interesting. It is. I mean, I think it's. I think with a lot of these, even. And maybe witches are alone. I need to give this some thought. So I'm totally talking out of my ass in this moment. But. That's, that's what we do on that the is, show. That's what we do. Like, nothing I say is informed. But it's a very egoistic fear. Like, that there is someone doing something to you. Anything that's going wrong in your life, someone is doing something. Mm -hmm. Somebody cares enough about you to fuck up your crops. <laughs> no. <laughs> crops fail. You know, to murder your talent. No, you know, vaccines just weren't a thing. So it's, <laughs> it's just like... Um, I, I think that's going to come up in this movie, too. That And I and again, so I don't know if that's, like, special to witches, but it just it does feel like there is a narcissism to it. <laughs> That again, it's like, okay. Well, it's a fear that you're creating because you're creating yourself. You you are centering yourself. Right. Shit happens. Right. And assuming that if something goes wrong, it's someone else's fault, right. not your fault. Right. Not just bad decisions, which is. But that like someone cares. It's like so you make fun of me when I'm like, oh, that's the universe saying that I shouldn't do this or that I shouldn't have that. And to right. a certain extent, I do believe that like. <laughs> But to think that the universe is like, oh, we're going to fuck up your little cupcake moment. <laughs> right. like, You say I want some cupcakes <laughs> and I say, well, they're out of that cupcake. And you're like, oh, the universe doesn't want me to have something sweet. It's like, no, just the, universe doesn't the cupcake fucking store was closed. About you can get you something else. In this moment, all the things that are going on. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting because it's a very self-centered fear. Mm-hmm. In a way that I I would need, I need to think about, like, is that how other things... Like, I was thinking about ghosts, but usually those are tied to places. So it's like you've invaded a space that... It's about the space, right. usually. Yeah, that's interesting. Okay. The other thing I will say about this movie going into it is... It, it was a huge hit at Sundance. It made its premiere at Sundance. Uh, Eggers won the director's prize at Sundance, for, again, for his first film. And everybody was talking about, oh, this is... 
the great new horror movie. Mm -hmm. And as several critics have said, that may have been doing it a disservice. Because audience that went expecting a horror movie were probably disappointed mm. with this. Mm -hmm. Because it's not jump scares, it's not a lot of gore, it's not that kind of horror movie. I do think it's scary. I think there's a sense of building dread in this movie that is overpowering. But I remember, and this is the report that came out of a lot of screenings, I remember in my screening when I saw this in a theater, there were people in the theater that were not on board with <laughs> this movie. They were bored. They were like just, they were laughing at the wrong parts. They were just not, you know, they wanted to see. It's because that thatch work wasn't right. <laughs> Can't get over that. Oh my God. Look at that it's thatch. It's a fucking joke. Look at the thatching on that roof. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, there's a lot to talk about after we watch the movie. I think we should just go watch it. And when we get back, we will talk about The Witch. What went we out into this wilderness to find? Leaving our country, kindred, our father's houses. For what? For the kingdom of God. Let us pray. this family. watched The Witch. We had about as perfect an atmosphere to watch this movie <laughs> as we could have asked for. Mm -hmm. Apart from the fact that we were in the middle of Chicago and not in, you know, the New England outback. Sure. <laughs> but we watched it at night. We had all the lights off. There was an actual thunderstorm. It was a dark and stormy night. That synced up with this movie in creepy ways. There's a storm in this movie. And thunder and lightning, and we had it We had it going, like, right at the exact moment yep. for that. So if this movie was going to work for you, I think we created the best <laughs> environment for it. Gave it the best chance to succeed. Yes, the universe how, was conspiring in your, on your behalf. How did it work for you? 
I thought it was really well done. Good. I think so, too. Yes. I don't know that it will become a part of my Halloween rotation. I thought it was really well done. I didn't think it was fun. I think I've learned about myself. I like fun Halloween, which probably means I like more crappy Halloween films. Okay. So this is, I mean, they call this, and it's it's one of those terms that kind of wrangles me, mm-hmm. elevated horror. Oh, That's what they oh. call this kind of movie, this sort of A24 mm-hmm. You know, it's not horror, it's elevated horror, mm-hmm. which to me is, I mean, part of the reason I don't like that term is because it's, I think it's kind of insulting to horror, Yeah. right? Yeah. It's like, oh, horror is crappy horror. Right. And then if it's serious and, you know, sophisticated, it's elevated, it's elevated. horror. Yes, yes. Uh, it's all just horror to me. Sure. I, do, you, I mean, I think there are different types, but yeah, okay. But you didn't find this fun. I didn't. So you know. In the way that, say... Phantasm <laughs> or Sleepaway Camp is fun. Okay, again, Sleepaway Camp was not fun. It was a fucking hate crime. Phantasm, I'll give you because you had a monkey with a shank. So, no, that was phenomenal. Oh, fuck, what the fuck? Which one? Oh, Phantasm with a fucking orb. Oh, God. And he pissed himself. Yeah. I mean, sure, that was fun. Uh, <laughs> but Sleepaway Camp is no, not uh-huh. fun. Terrible, bad. So you know about me that I have a thing with magazines, where there yes. are two buckets of magazines for me. Yes. There is... You're, you're a fashion I, aficionado. I would not call myself an aficionado in any way. I enjoy fashion, okay. but I'm, I'm not okay. versed in it necessarily. But so whenever I pick up magazines, it is in the L, in style... Used to be Lucky. Used to be Lucky Magazine, right. when Lucky Magazine was they had the little stickers where you could say, uh-huh. I want to buy this. And so several times I have bought magazines for you and yes. I have said, do you want Vogue? And right. what do you say? Vogue is too reedy. <laughs> it's too reedy. It's too reedy. I don't want, that's not what I want in my fashion magazine. I just want pictures of nice clothes. I want to flip through and that throw it away. That I can scan super quick. Uh-huh. <laughs> just toss it in the garbage. And that's not to speak ill of Elle and InStyle or Lucky Magazine. Those were all, are, are all great magazines except for Lucky. But it's like Halloween candy. Like I just want something to unwrap it, eat it, and then toss it, right? And be done with it. Mm-hmm. And I think that may be how I am with horror films. Like, I want something that I can just sort of let wash over me and, and like... Not have to think about it. Not have to think about it too much. Maybe laugh. Maybe get a jump scare. Maybe, you know, something like that. But I don't want anything that's just, like, too elevated. So this was too reedy. This was too reedy. This is Vogue magazine horror film. (laughs) I'm just like... And so it's beautiful, and it's well done, and I deeply respect it. Too reedy. I mean, I feel like we've watched other we have. elevated horror we have. that you enjoyed. Yes. You love the Babadook. I would say the Babadook really is in that like category. But, uh, yeah. I mean, but that played on all my favorite things, which is, again, like parents being terrible to their children, which I just <laughs> I really like that. Um, again, I did not enjoy it, but it, it wouldn't be something that I think about any other Halloween. Like, oh, I want to put on the Vivitch. And the Vivitch. The Vivitch. And <laughs> watch that. Could you, did you follow the dialogue? Because it's a challenge. And the dialogue was, and there's a little note at the end of the movie where he says almost all of the dialogue was lifted from actual contemporary documents. I mean, I did once I sort of trained my ear a little bit. When they first started, I was like, what the fuck? Uh, (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, I mean, it is. And so it requires active listening where you have to really be like, okay, I'm really paying attention to what they're saying. But after a while, you get used to the cadence of it and and the sort of the syntax of it. Um, Which I do feel like is part of the immersive effect of this movie is you have to tune into it like that. You have to get on its rhythms. Mm -hmm. You have to 
submerge yourself in that yeah. in that reality. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's let's kind of go through this a little bit. We op- we open with this this family, and originally, what Eggers has said is the the script originally started with the peekaboo scene, but then he then he decided that you know we needed a little more backstory mm. on who this family was. Hmm. So the first scene we actually see is them getting kicked out <laughs> of their puritanical of, of their puritan community yes. plantation because mm-hmm. uh, they were too hardcore for the puritans. They were, right, this is the thing: <laughs> is they were too fucking righteous. <laughs> For the you're making other us look bad. You gotta go. Yeah. You're a fucking downer amongst the Puritans. That's Jesus. Yeah. So that sort of tells you who they are right there. Is there ever any good town center meeting in film? I feel like anytime there's a meeting in the center of a town, it's, it's bad news. It's bad. somebody's it's, either dying or being murdered or being <laughs> it's just, executed. It's, it's never a good meeting. Yeah, no. It's never like let's come together well, and like civilization is awful. Be cool I think you know with that. each other. Like this is a community. It's always some fucked up shit. <laughs> Continue. So they are banished. They are banished. All are banished. <laughs> and uh, they go they go out in the middle of Fucking nowhere into the wilderness. Mm-hmm. Um, this was they they wanted to shoot in New England, of course, where it was set. They ended up not being able to do that for various reasons. Mm-hmm. They ended up shooting, I think, in northern Ontario, somewhere in Canada, and it was apparently a hellish shoot. It was, <laughs> I would imagine, you know, hell and gone from any conveniences way out in the woods from Cartagena. Hell and gone from Cartagena. Mm-hmm. There were bugs. There was mud. <laughs> They couldn't shoot when the sun came out because the whole thing had to be sort of gloomy. Gray and overcast, yeah. Um, they didn't have... A, this was about a $3.5 million movie, which is not micro-budget, but it's not a lot of money for what they were trying to do. And it was a short shoot. It was like a 25-day shoot, which was, again, was <laughs> not a lot of time to get done what they could. So I think... And I think some of that translates. I think some of that misery is visible <laughs> on screen in the cast. They also shot with... I'm just going to get the production stuff out of the way up front here. Only natural light. Mm-hmm. You know, what Eggers has said is sometimes in the scene we have more candles than they would really have, but it's all candlelight indoors. It's all natural light outdoors. And no makeup. He said the only makeup was to make people look worse. It was not <laughs> any glamorizing. No beauty makeup. No mm-hmm. beauty makeup, right. So, again, just trying to get that as as authentic as they could possibly get it. Awesome. And it, I think it worked because it made me realize I would not want to live like that. Well, no. That looks like it sucks. This whole film is just a an ode to the importance of amenities. Like we need shit. <laughs> you need Netflix. You need you need clothes. You plumbing. need plumbing. You need Grubhub. Whatever the fuck. Because otherwise, <laughs> we lose our fucking minds and start talking to goats. So. <laughs> You kind of need that shit. Like it's. Just... I mean, you make that point with with contemporary horror films too. You're like the cabin in the. You're not. You don't want to go to the right. cabin in the because woods. It, we're not meant to be there. Right. We're not. Like we have evolved to a point where if left idle, <laughs> bad shit happens. You so want cell phone service. And we cable need TV to and... <laughs> crowd our lives with shit because otherwise we will absolutely go over the cliff and. And, I, like, they basically, the wife was basically like, bitch, you took me out here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they done stole my baby. <laughs> Dingo ate my fucking baby. <laughs> I think this other child is the devil. <laughs> my son has gone crazy. Can we go back to England? 
Like, fuck this religious freedom bullshit. I want to go back to where I know things and I know people and there are bookstores. And <laughs> it's just like, so, I mean, to me, that's that's really... The, well, that's right. There's, there's a scene where uh, Thomas and Anya Taylor-Joy's character is talking to her brother about when they were in England and says, do you remember we had glass? Like glass. Windows? Like it's the biggest luxury in the world. And he doesn't remember that. Like, <laughs> I don't remember. That at the moment where the we windows. are, you know, remembering fondly about glass, <laughs> we've gone too far into the woods. We're already gone. Into the woods. Into the woods. So I, that's, that's all I'm so like. And again, and, and the goat knows this because the goat is like, you want some butter? <laughs> okay, you're jumping way ahead. I'm just oh. like, that's all it took. <laughs> yeah, no, that was. Butter. The devil tempts you with butter. <laughs> Fuck yeah. I want some butter. <laughs> Sorry, continue. <laughs> okay, so yeah, so the first thing that happens, they get to this their little homestead here, and uh, Thomason takes little baby Sam out and plays a little peekaboo. Mm-hmm. That's a good scene. It is. So she's playing peekaboo with the baby, and so we're sort of looking at it from her perspective. So when she covers her eyes, we don't, you know, we just see blackness, and then she opens it, and the baby's there, and she covers her eyes, and she opens it, and the baby's there, and she covers her eyes, and the baby, and the baby's fucking gone, and <laughs> just no- that quick. Fucking trace of, like, who or what took the baby. Uh, And she sort of runs to the woods and is screaming for the baby and just sort of stops short of going in. And it's clear that something terrible has happened. Yeah. And and then that's where we get the title character. Or one of the title characters, at least. Yes. And this is, I remember the first time I watched this, I I think expecting elevated horror. (laughs) I think I was expecting a lot of ambiguity. Mm Mm-hmm. About, you know, is this just psychological? Is it just repression? Is it going to be one of those movies? Uh, no, there's a fucking No, witch. there is actually a Vivitch. Yeah. <laughs> and she's fairly scary. Yes. And that's actually one of the things I did really like about the movie. Because it could have very easily been, you know, metaphor for religious fervor and, like, paranoia. And it is that. But it is also, there is actually a witch. There is actually a devil. And both those things can be happening at the same time. And yeah, when we see the witch, I mean, it's it's pretty not great. She is <laughs> saggy and pallid and the long, stringy gray hair. And she's, I guess what we are to infer, sort of rubbing the viscera she, she, of the she baby. She kills the baby. <laughs> all over herself and her Grinds it up with her mortar and pestle. Yeah. And, and, then, you know. and apparently this was a fit that you needed the blood of a baby that was how they could fly. That's you make like a flying pungent out of out of dead babies. It's expensive gas. <laughs> it is. That's a, as fuel goes. Takes a lot of effort. Because <laughs> yeah, there's a seed right at the end of that where she we sort of see her rising up mm-hmm. against the moon. Like okay, she got her baby, refilled the baby tank, and now <laughs> she can fly. Yes. Uh, yeah. No, it's pretty horrific. Yeah. Now, there is, I will say, there are people who argue that it's still all psychological, that she's that there is no real witch or devil or that they were that. hallucinating that? Because the that at, right after that scene, they're all asleep and we see Thomas and wake up. Ah. So that could have been her nightmare of what happened to the baby. Sure. Um and then in the end, of course, people just go crazy. <laughs> Uh, I don't. I don't think that. I think Robert Eggers very clearly intended that this is we are we are in that reality where these things are real. Sure, 
Yeah. I don't know. What do you think? I mean, I think it's real. Yeah. I'm trying to think of the, the various instances where we see the witch and, like, does that pan... I mean, we so we see the witch entice her little brother. Mm-hmm. But that could have been his own dream, possibly. Right. He was lost in the woods. He, was, he could then, be hallucinating. Sure. Plus, the kid was just horny. I mean, I you talk mean, about needing a man... Teenage boys need, need amenities. Porn. Yes, like this. Yeah. This was a problem. Otherwise, for you him. start lusting after your sister. Yeah, and your sister. exactly. Inappropriate. Um. So, I mean, I guess I think it's less fun that way. Yeah, I do too. But sure. Yeah, okay. If you want to be an adult <laughs> about it and not believe in witches. Okay, so talk to me about this family here. We have these. This very healthy. They are not healthy. Family. None of those people who should founded be together. America. Then that's okay. <laughs> And here we are. Um, so you got a dad and a mom, a older daughter, Thomason, a sort of middle son, Caleb. Is that his name? Yep. Mm-hmm. And then two fucking <laughs> terrible I, I, little imps. I knew you were going to like them. I fucking hate Jonas them. and Mercy, the two <laughs> younger children. Beat them against a rock. Um, so as you, as you said, they were sort of... Excommunicated for being too pure for the Puritans, and so the father has moved them out to this godforsaken place um, at the edge of the woods. So he's clearly a very stubborn man, and mm-hmm. we come to find also a, a hypocrite. Mm-hmm. But they are devout in every <laughs> definition of the word. And once the baby goes missing, they doubt each other and they doubt their own faith. Mm-hmm. And we sort of just watch them devolve into their very worst natures into the very worst of their religious paranoia pretty rapidly yeah the mother in particular can't get over the baby's loss and this is this is something i've also seen eggers talk about he said you know because he did so all this research about puritan times and what he said was basically you know people told you back then don't get too attached to your kids until they're like four or five years old Mm. Because half of them, at least, are not going to make it. Yep. And that that was kind of the attitude. And the dad is sort of like that. Yeah. He's, he's like, he the seems Lord okay. bless us with other kids. Right. He said, he said, God's never taken a child from us before. He actually tells her at one point, I, I sort of feel like you're overreacting. Yeah. Like, I think you're taking this a little too hard. Yeah. God's never taken one of our kids before. It was bound to happen eventually. Get over it, basically, yeah. he says to her. But she can't. And you're right. It's a, it's a crisis of faith for her. She yes. says she thinks she's never going to feel that again. I think it's also a realization that she married a fuckboy. <laughs> <laughs> well, that I think that comes later, but yeah, it comes on pretty steadily as this movie progresses. I mean, well, I think it comes as, as soon as the baby's gone. She's you. You already know she's like, oh, we should not have moved out here. Yeah, like, you moved us out here, and that was right. A bad First, you made choice. me move, Eng- leave England, right. and come to this godforsaken country. Then you got us kicked out of the little the society only community we had, we had. Mm-hmm. and now we're here, and they stole my baby. That's not awesome. So we should yeah. say here the family the the narrative is a wolf must have taken the baby. Yes. <laughs> Those super speedy wolves. As you said, a dingo ate my baby with no trace whatsoever. Yeah. And then yeah, as you said, these these questions of anger and resentment and blame mm-hmm. just start corroding this family from underneath. Mm-hmm. Uh, the mother pretty clearly blames Thomason. Yes. For losing this baby. I mean, there's, I think there's the underlying. There's a lot of stuff going right, on there. Go yeah. Ahead. Of, you know, you have 
there's now another woman in the house. Like, right. she's no longer a little girl. Thomason is becoming a mature woman. And there is the sort of inherent, like, the sort of, the threat of that to her mother. And the, the sort of, what they would see to be, like, the inherent sin of it. Of her sort of stepping into her womanhood in that mm-hmm. way. And she's testing boundaries as well as she's sort of coming of age. How so? Well, I mean, it's clear that, yes, she prays and she tries to atone. But, like, she's not doing her chores as, like... Yeah. Fastidiously as she usually would. And she's being a little snappy with the twins. Though, again, beat them with a rock. And... <laughs> she seems to know how her brother looks at her, Yes. Too. Yes. So... That, and is kind of amused mm-hmm. or by it or pleased by it. Mm-hmm. It's not overt. No. It's not... No. But it, it does seem to be there. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, almost... I think it might be the first dialogue we get from her is her praying. hmm And she says, basically, I, you know, I'm a sinner. I know I deserve hellfire. I have played on the Sabbath. And she says, I have broken every commandment mm-hmm. in my thoughts. So yeah, there's that inherent wickedness coming right. out. Right, And that's, I mean, that's largely what this... The, the whole original sin thing is just... A terrifying Mm -hmm. concept. And I think this movie made me realize for the first time just, like, how terrifying that is if you literally believe it. Yeah. Like, everybody is pre-damned. Yes. You are all going to hell. Caleb says, of the baby, is he in hell? Well, he hadn't been baptized yet. Right. Yeah. And the father says... Can't tell you. Can't tell you. (laughs) I wish I could tell you that he's not in hell or that you're not going to hell. I can't really tell you that. We're all going to hell, son. (laughs) We'll speak no more on that, brother. Why? He had disappeared, not one week past, yet you and mother utter not his name. He's gone, Caleb. Tell me. Tell thee what? Is he an L? Caleb. Mother will not stop her prayer. And if I died, if I died this day... What is this? I ought evil in me heart. Me sins are not pardoned. Thou art young yet. And if God will not hear my prayer... Caleb! Tell me! Look, you, I love thee marvellous well. But tis God alone, not man, what knows who is the son of Abraham and who is not, who is good and who is evil. Fain would I tell thee that Sam sleeps in Jesus, that thou wilt, that I will. But I cannot tell thee that. None can. And that's terrifying. It is. Well, it's such a joyless, yeah. horrifying reality to live in. Well, and it's also like I didn't grow up in that kind of church, but we did have the like left behind books at home. Uh-huh. And I read those at an age where I should not have read those because that really is <laughs> a terrifying thought that at some point you will be left behind. The good people are going to get to go and you might not <laughs> be one of them. Because you did something that, mm-hmm. you know, and so, I mean, it's just, it's always been like a challenging way to think about God or any sort of higher, because like it's this inherent, like it's punishment. It's yeah. not about love. It's about punishment. Right. It's, yeah. This that's is, terrifying. Anthony Lane in his review in the New Yorker talked about this. He said, this is a scary movie and a serious one because it lures us into the minds and the earthly domains of those who are themselves scared night and day that they have forfeited the mercies of God. It takes an original movie to remind us of original sin. And then he says that's that's a problem for contemporary audiences 
possibly going into this movie, and he says, The problem is simple, we can't be damned. One gradual effect of the Enlightenment was to tamp down the fires of hell and sweep away the ashes, allowing us to bask in the rational coolness that ensued. But the loss, to the dramatic imagination at any rate, has been immense. If your characters are convinced that a single action, a word out of place, or even a stray thought brings not bodily risk, but an eternity of pain, your story will be charged with illimitable dread. No thriller, however tense, can promise half as much. <laughs> so yeah, these people are terrified in a very real, direct, literal sense of hell. Yeah. That's pretty high stakes. It's extremely high stakes. And even... I guess I think as a society, we have, um, I mean, there are still certain spaces where we haven't, um, where we've sort of moved past that, whether it be, you call it enlightenment or whatever. I think sometimes it's still there. At least it is for me, I should say. So, like, I haven't been to church in a really long time. And yet, there's still a part of me that's like, there's a heaven and a hell. Yeah. And there's still a part of me that, like, if I do do something wrong, like, I'm noting it in my head that, like, oh, you fucked that up, or oh, that was wrong, or oh. <laughs> gonna have to explain You're that. gonna need to talk about that <laughs> at some point. Um, well, I wondered about that, because I, and I wondered how this, if this movie would work better for you than for me in that sense. Mm -hmm. Because I know you have responded to other horror movies that were about religion faith and, mm -hmm. and damnation mm -hmm. and the very real risk of <laughs> the devil <laughs> claiming your soul. Yes. There is very much a part of me that absolutely believes in that, that absolutely believes that, that there is a judgment at the end of this life that you do sort of tally up sins and it's like on balance how have you been and i don't know that that will ever go away for me mm -hmm. like i think that that's like no matter how long it's been since i've been in church or any of that i think it, that's always going to be in the back of my mind out of curiosity how do you think you're doing i think, oh, I'm I think you're in hell man i just said beat what? those children with a rock <laughs> come on i just spent like half of this halloween series talking about killing babies <laughs> Well, the Eraserhead episode was rough in that regard. So, mm, I'm definitely going to hell. <laughs> How am I doing? Just just curious. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, okay, we're not going to talk about that. <laughs> That's not for me to judge. <laughs> Thank God for that. I'll take my ch chances with him rather than let you Yeah, decide. no, but yeah. I mean, yeah, it's... It's, I mean, it's, a, you know, when we were talking about, I can't remember which one it was, but the Stephen King idea of, like, what, you know, what makes horror versus thriller and this idea right. that it taps into something very sort of foundational to who we are. Right. I think that religion and faith is one of those things for a lot of people. And whether or not we are sort of actively engaged in a church or in a religious body, for a, for a lot of folks that sort of grew up in it, I think there's always that sort of fear or just awareness Okay, so what else what else is going on in this family here? The mom is in despair basically mm -hmm. about everything. Mm -hmm. Uh dad is trying to hold it together. Not well. <laughs> I mean, he's basically like his he's sort of let his family go to shit. So he moved them to this <laughs> terrible space. The harvest is destroyed. The baby's gone. 
he's taken the the Caleb into the woods to try to hunt for food when like the wife does not want the kids to be going into the woods. Right. Um, he's sold her. He sold the mom's like it was her father's her silver father's cup. silver cup mm-hmm. for something, and then lied to her about it, and then let her I think, blame. I think he sold that to get the traps to trap the animals to get some food because which he did not crops failed <laughs> right. Uh, and then basically let her believe that Thomason had stolen yeah, it. That's the thing. He yeah. lies about it. Yeah. He does. He doesn't come clean, and right. he lets her blame the children. Right. He lets her blame. Thomason for the cup going missing and he lets her blame Caleb, Caleb for going into the woods and he he stands there and he says nothing. Nothing. So it's like this this question of original sin, it's like all these little sins have already mm-hmm. wormed their way mm-hmm. into this family. Yeah. Inclu- and there are I've seen theories of this movie where like every character represents a different sin, hmm. a different one of the seven sins. Mm-hmm. I don't think it plots out quite that directly. Evenly, yeah. That's a little too systemic for me. Yeah. But they're all there. Mm-hmm. Uh, including Caleb, who is probably the best kid. He is working hard He's at it, man. He's trying to be pious. He's yeah. trying to be a young man. He's trying to be responsible for the family. Yeah. His sin, as we mentioned earlier. He's looking at his sister's boobs. <laughs> He's looking at his sister's boobs a lot. Yeah. Kind of can't blame him. <laughs> There aren't a lot of options. (laughs) Alone. And there's no other people in the world as far as they're concerned. Yeah. It's either that or the goats. (laughs) Which would not be advisable either. (laughs) And then, yes, Jonas and Mercy. Fucking Jesus. Like, immediately from day one, I'm going to be like, it's those two bitches. <laughs> you looking for the devil? Right there. They are just wild. Horrible children. Horrible children. Just loud and rowdy. Bitchy and, and... fucking sneaky as shit. Like, <laughs> No, it's those bitches. No. But yes, they, they have a very close relationship with Black Phillip. Yes, which... Um... <laughs> But yeah, so they say basically that they can talk to the goat, or that the goat talks to them. Black Philip, Black Philip. Definitely the devil's children. (laughs) Like, not, no doubt about it. Uh, And the girl, the the sort of girl child, very vocally is like basically saying Thomason's a witch. Yeah. She's the one that's been doing it. It was a witch that took the baby. Yes. And it was Thomason. Well, so that's a, I love that scene. So first, Mercy comes out of the, they're by the brook. Mm-hmm. She and her brother, I mean, Thomason and Caleb are by the brook. And then Mercy comes out of the weeds saying, I'm the witch of the wood. And she's so creepy. Like she's, she looks like an old woman mm-hmm. in that scene when mm-hmm. she comes out. She's, I'm the witch of the wood. I stole the baby, blah, blah, blah. And then she says something about Thomason and Thomason says, you're right. It was a witch. Right. It, was it, me. it was me. Right. It was a witch. Hi. It was a witch, Mercy. You speak a right. Thomason! It was I. Liar! T'was I what stole him. I be the witch of the wood. Liar! Liar! I am. Listen not to a Mercy! I am that very witch. When I sleep, my spirit slips away from my body and dances naked with the devil. That's how I signed his book. No. He bade me bring him an unbaptized babe. So I stole Sam and I gave him to my master. And I'll make any man or thing else vanish I like. No. Aye. 
and I'll banish thee too if thou displeaseth me. Be quiet! Mercy! She's but telling fantasies! Perchance I'll boil and bake thee, since we're a lack of food. No! Stop, Thomasin! It's not true! It is, O thing! How I crave to sink my teeth into thy pink flesh! Which I love that, because it's like she's, and she's just fooling around. Mm -hmm. She's just screwing with a kid the way you do with your little brothers and sisters, you know. Yeah, I'm a witch and I'm going to eat you up. But it's also like she's trying that on. Yeah. Like she's trying on that power. Mm-hmm. Like, how does this... Oh, this feels pretty good, actually. Yeah. I kind of like being being the witch. Except it gets her into trouble. Well, yes, later. <laughs> 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 but she's like, yeah. But yeah, she enjoys it for a minute there. Mm-hmm. She enjoys being the witch. And then, yeah, we, we just start to get these little warning... I mean, obviously, the baby being stolen <laughs> was a big warning sign. But just other little ones just start to creep in. That just everything is going wrong in a slightly unnatural way. Mm-hmm. You know, Thomas is, is collecting eggs, and then the, there's, like, one measly egg, and it turns out to be... A dead bird. A dead bird. <laughs> bird fetus inside it all bloody and gross and yeah at one point she's milking the goat and the goat starts giving blood instead yeah. of her bloody milk and and again it's like you said it's some of this is just bad right decision. it happens on shitty farms and right <laughs> just, yeah. like, maybe you are just a bad farmer yeah which I mean, we can jump around a little bit, I guess. I mean, Thomason tells him that later on. Yeah, I mean, after That's the... That's one of the best scenes in the movie. Yeah, after Caleb returns from being sort of taken by the witch, who comes to him in a very attractive form. Yes. Uh, at first. At first. <laughs> yes. He gets lost in the woods. He finds the, the witch's hovel, apparently. Mm-hmm. She comes out and she's like a supermodel. Yes. She's gorgeous. In her red red cloak. Yes. Pert and pretty. And uh, kisses him and then her we see gnarled her hand comes claw, and and No, that's, that's not a good thing. You know, everybody's first experience is rough. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And then, yeah, so then t- then this is something else to blame Thomason for, because mm-hmm. Thomason was out in the woods with him. He got lost on her watch. And so Mother is once again furious at Thomason and furious at the father. Right. Who says, you know, basically you've lost another one of our fucking kids at this point. Yes. Eventually, Caleb sort of wanders back naked and Sick, totally delirious. mad out of his mind. Um, and they try to do like a exorcism sort of thing with him. And he vomits up. This, like, half-eaten crab apple. It's apple, yeah. Uh, Which, again, the apple, original right, sin, Adam and all of that is working thing. in there. Yeah. Um, the lie that Caleb told his mother about them going into the that woods. That they were going to look for apples. Was that they were going to look for apples. Yeah. So, again, that's all layered in there. And it's not it's not too sophisticated, but it's not too overt. Either. No, It's all no, just, no. Yeah. I think it's, I like how it's all layered in there. In the meantime, <laughs> the fucking twins are also, like, writhing on the floor as though they are possessed, similar to Caleb, because they're bitches. Yeah. And they want Thomason to get in trouble because they want their parents to think that Thomason is the witch that's sort of basically murdering all of her brothers and sisters. Caleb, in his delirium, is talking about basically his sexual experience with the witch, and people are thinking, like... Well, he's also... It's it's both and in yeah. that scene, too. It's Because yeah. he's talking about faith, and he's yeah. talking about the love of Jesus. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Jesus, kiss my lips, in a very sexual way. Some of that is like Song of Solomon mm-hmm. stuff, but it's, it's... Again, it's got it's, both yeah. things happening simultaneously. Yeah. Where it could be this ecstasy of faith, it could be this sexual thing, it's it's happening at the same time. Yes. Cast the light of countenance upon me. Spread over me the lap of thy love. Wash me in the ever-flowing fountains of thy blood. 
Holy thine I am, my sweet Lord Jesus. My Lord, my love, kiss me with the kisses of thy mouth. How lovely art thou, thy embrace. My Lord, <laughs> my Lord, my love, my soul salvation. Take me to thy lap. <laughs> so he dies. And then he dies. And uh, Thomas's mom basically is like, get the fuck out. You're a witch. Right. You're the little killing. kids are saying this is Thomason's yeah. fault. She put the devil in him. Yeah. And at this point, the dad is like, for a while, he had been saying, it's not Thomason. It's not right. Thomason. And then this is sort of when he turns and he's like, okay, it may be Thomason. <laughs> drags her out of the house and is basically like you need to tell me whether or not you're a witch yeah. like this is not we're not gonna do this he, he starts off sort of comforting her right. he's like you know just between it's us it's cool just say <laughs> just, you just need you to know, tell me, let me are know. you the devil <laughs> no this is not did you make a deal with the devil and so that's when she is just like fuck you dude he says basically the truth will set you free mm-hmm. as long as you speak the truth you can be forgiven right and she's like okay motherfucker you wanna hear the truth you asked me to speak truth Beg thee. You and mother plan to rid the farm of me. Aye. I heard you speak of it. Is that true? You took a mother's cup and let her rail at me. You confessed not till it was too late. Is that true? Please thee. I will not. I am thy father. You are a hypocrite! Hold thy tongue, daughter mine. You took Caleb to the wood and let me take the blame of that too. Is that true? You let mother be as thy master. You cannot bring the crops to yield. You cannot hunt. Is that truth enough? Enough. Thou canst do nothing save cut wood. Best. <laughs> you are not him. All you Here's know how to truth. do is cut wood. <laughs> you can't hunt. You can't farm. You can do not but cut wood, she says. And there is a lot of fucking wood on the side of that house. Let me <laughs> That's tell you. That's it. Every time there's tension in the movie, we He's see him out wood. there splitting wood. That's all he That's knows all how to he do. knows how to do. That is it. And it's so harsh and it's so great. Yeah. And this is also after she finds out that they are planning to basically marry her off to somebody else to just get her right, out of the to house. to sell her to yeah. another family. Right, yes. So yeah, she's done with the bullshit <laughs> at this point. <laughs> and also, she has just recently found out, she didn't know her father had taken the cop. Right. So there's a look on, there's a, Anya Taylor-Joy is fucking amazing in this movie. There's a look on her face when she learns that. Where she's like, you let me, you let her sit there and accuse me of taking that cop and you didn't say anything. And now you're confessing that you took that cop and sold it. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so she's had it yeah. with this shit. So he does the fatherly thing, which is to uh, board her and the terrible twins. <laughs> and the goat. In the goat fucking shit. He's like, fuck this. And Thomason is just like, do not. She's like, you can lock me up. Do not lock me up with these kids and this goat. Which, again, <laughs> totally understand. And that uh, that doesn't that doesn't go well. No. Really. The twins are sort of there. Both the twins and Thomason are like, are you the witch? And they're like, no, are you the witch? And 
then at some point Thomason falls asleep and the twins see the witch drinking from the goat's teats, <laughs> I guess is what she's doing. That's over a there. that's a good scene it too. Is. We it is. we hear her like land on the roof mm-hmm. and then yeah, she's suddenly there like suckling, suckling at, the, at goat. the goat. Yeah. In all of her just nakedness and stringy hair and terror. And that's the first time where we get a little bit of a glimpse of her face really. And it's just it's horrifying. Yeah. And then the next... And then meanwhile... Mm-hmm. Oh, mother, God. Kate. <laughs> so she's gone. Um, and again, this is all... Is it that real? Is right. it a dream? Is it... And it almost doesn't matter. It doesn't. Because the psychological truth of it is the same regardless of... So she gets up in the middle of the night and she looks and she sees Caleb holding the baby. Yeah. In a red cloak... And behind her is her little silver cup sitting on the table, too. And she thinks her children have come back, and she goes to sort of embrace them. Uh, And then she starts to breastfeed the baby. (laughs) (laughs) And we sort of pan out, and she's actually breastfeeding a crow. (laughs) That's just pecking pecking at her tit. So it is that (laughs) visual (laughs) is just horrifying. I meant to ask you, did you recognize the actress that played the mother? I don't think so. Okay. That is Kate Dickey. So the, the parents are Ralph Innocent and Kate Dickey, both of whom uh, were in Game of Thrones. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, the dad, he was, I think, one of the Ironborn, one of the Young Greyjoys people. Okay. But the mother is um, Lisa Aaron. Moon! The Moon Door. <laughs> also, Fucking weird crazy. breastfeeding scenes. <laughs> So I don't know if that's the strangest sort of typecasting, because this would have been after Game of Thrones, where she was like breastfeeding her fifteen year old fucking kid. kid. Yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> and then she gets to here, and she's breastfeeding a crow. She's very good. I she's mean, I'm not. Awesome. She's a. She is so good in she's this really, movie. She's really, really good. <laughs> but yeah, I was just like, what is it with you and weird, weird disturbing breastfeeding? breastfeeding? Hmm. Interesting. <laughs> Maybe something she's exploring. <laughs> Is there like a casting list you're on? <laughs> Who has that on your resume? Milking tits. <laughs> but yeah, so she wakes up the next day. Um, well, I sh- the father wakes up and we see a shot of her and she is bleeding from the breast. So something the fuck happened to her last night. Dream or no, whatever yeah. it was. She her, her tits bleeding. Yeah. And then dad sort of staggers outside. And he sees the barn is basically <laughs> destroyed. The goats are dead. The goats are dead. The kids are gone. And Thomason's just asleep. Yeah. <laughs> so then Black Phillip shows up. Well, she wakes up. Okay. Well, I, I, let's stop. Because okay. I didn't even have. Did you find Black Phillip scary? Because I think Black Phillip's a pretty scary. I mean, Black. Yes. Black Phillip. I found Black Phillip scary when he started to speak. <laughs> But even before, when he's like rearing well, up and he's. I don't like, fuck with goats. Unnatural. It's just disturbing. Because goats are fucking aggressive as shit. Like, don't fuck with goats. <laughs> so they're not ge- scary in, in a supernatural way. They're in a. It's like, it's a fucking goat. <laughs> don't play with goats. They are not. I, I didn't know you felt this way about goats. They're not like. I didn't know you had strong nice feelings animals, about goats. Are they? I feel like I they're don't like. Know. I haven't spent a lot of time with goats, have you? I, I haven't because they're fucking goats. But like, <laughs> I feel. <laughs> I feel like they're those animals that are like the line between we're okay and oh shit is very like very slim. You feel like a goat could turn on just you like at any boom, moment. and then you're gored in the fucking stomach. <laughs> like, Which, 
is what happens. back to the story is what happens. So like, don't mess with fucking goats. So like, he wasn't scary in like an evil way. He was scary in like as a fucking goat. <laughs> so yeah, the dad, the dad gets gored. Yes, pretty bad, and symbolically sort of dies in his pile of wood. <laughs> yes, which I thought was good. The symbol of his failure. <laughs> and um, then the mom comes out, sort of looks. <laughs> And everything. <laughs> right. Everybody she's ever loved is gone or dead. <laughs> Except for fucking Thomason. Except for Thomason. And she's basically like, you fucking bitch. <laughs> I knew you were evil. Like, accusing and her of being all these terrible things. Accusing her of being sluttish. Yes. And of tempting her brother. And yes. of tempting her father. So that sexual mm-hmm. jealousy and envy comes out there. And so she attacks her full on. Yeah. And Thomason is, like, on the ground sort of writing, saying, I love you, I love you, I love you, I love you. And her mother's basically trying to strangle her to death. And there's a knife right there, and your mom is strangling you. So she's like, okay, I'm going to sort of hit you with this to get you to back off. (laughs) That doesn't do it. The mom is still strangling her and bleeding on her. And so now she's like, oh, okay, so I have to kill you. (laughs) Got it. So she kills her mother. Yeah. And that's everybody. Yeah. Now it's just Thomason and Black Phillip left alive on the farm. Yes. So she sort of takes off her bloody clothes, except for like the uh, like a nightgown thing, and she goes in the house and just sort of sits at the table and puts her head down. Night falls. Black Phillip calls to her. And she sort of goes to the barn and follows him in there. And then- I love I love that scene. She goes out there. They're outside the barn. Mm-hmm. We see it. It's quite a long shot. We're mm-hmm. quite a ways away, and. Black Phillip's outside the barn looking at her, and she's looking at him. And he, the goat, turns around and just walks very calmly into the barn. Yeah. And then she follows him in. Yeah. And then, they, uh, yeah, then they have a little conversation. A little chat. And I think it's important, she asks the goat to talk to her. Yes. She says, please speak to me as you spoke to the twins. Because mm-hmm. she's she's ready. Yeah. <laughs> she's ready no, to. She, what the fuck she got to lose? Yeah. Nothing. Nothing here. Yeah. And so we hear Black Philip for the first time mm. in this like raspy voice. <laughs> what dost thou want? What canst thou give? Wouldst thou like the taste of butter? A pretty dress? Wouldst thou like to live deliciously? Yes. Wouldst thou like to see the world? What will you from me? Dost thou see a book before thee? Remove thy shift. Not write my name. I will guide thy hand. And basically, this way he's like, uh, yeah, this is shitty. You want some butter? <laughs> Would you like to taste butter? Here, sign your name in this book. Would you like to see the world? He says, and he mm-hmm. says, Would you like to live deliciously? Mm-hmm. And she says, Yeah. That's and we sounds... see Black Phillip sort of become a man, and yeah. he sort of walks up behind her. I. It's. 
It's very much in shadow. Yes. Um, watching it on the Blu-ray as we did, it was very clear. I did not remember that. And mm. I don't know if in my theater screening it was a little darker. Mm. I don't remember clearly seeing that Black Phillip became a man mm-hmm. and stood behind her and put his arm around her. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not sure which way I like that better. Yeah, I mean, I don't... So you and I were talking about this a little bit after we watched it. It sort of reminded me of that final scene in Hereditary where the the, the boy goes up to like the uh, yeah. the treehouse and you, you get this super dramatic like fucking ceremony. <laughs> I don't even remember. Like I, I remember not liking it. Yeah, if, it, it felt like a little bit like gilding the loot. Like you didn't yeah. need that. And Everything gets too literal. Right. And end, so I felt right. a little bit that way. Like not as badly as I did it with Hereditary, but I felt a little bit that way with this. It was like, did we need to see him like transform into a man and like walk behind her and mm-hmm. do the whole thing like I felt like it was more powerful just to hear the voice mm-hmm. and to and the camera was on her face the entire time uh, but it wasn't I mean it was fine I I can't decide about the ending of this movie I can't decide if I would have ended it there are several places where I think it could have ended mm-hmm. and then it went one more scene it's like mm, mm-hmm. not sure if I like that or whether I would have liked it more ambiguous mm-hmm but yeah, she uh, she makes her deal, and the next we see her, she's walking naked into the woods, following the goat. And again, you could have ended it there, but no, she comes upon a party. Yes, <laughs> a group of witches dancing naked around a fire in the wood. Chanting some language. Covered in what we assume to be the twins' blood. Mm-hmm. And covering, you know, rubbing their staffs, not really broomsticks, but like the their sticks. Sticks. Right? And just joy and elation and freedom. And they start to rise. And they rise into the air and she joins them. Laughing. Yeah. Happier than we have ever seen her look in this movie. And that's it. That's that's the end. That is the witch. The Vavitch. The Vavitch. So, (laughs) is this a female empowerment story? (laughs) Female empowerment story. Um, I mean, I guess sure. I think it's. I mean, it's it's, a, it's sort of a coming of age story of like, you get older and you make choices. Mm-hmm. You, you grow up one way with your family, and at some point, how you kind of realize you, that your family is full of shit. You and, make a choice. So I think it's sure we can call it female. I think it's more just sort of coming of age. I think that's right. I mean, it's hard. It's hard to call it full. You know, feminist <laughs> empowerment. I mean, she. If these these are her two choices: is to make a deal with the devil or right. to live in this. Well, she doesn't even have the option of living with her family. No. But even that was. I mean, I I can see where the devil would look like a good deal compared to this form of Christianity. I mean, butter. <laughs> butter is very good. It's just it's so joyless it's and loveless and, and punishing. And again, it's like it's just it it strips all the joy out of. Faith and belief, and so yeah, that's. So do you do you think she's going to be happier? I mean, probably. It just seems like a lot of work killing children. I mean, I guess you know, <laughs> if you can find them, and sure, but it just it seems like a lot of work to go through to be able to fly and to change how you look and do all the things. It's just a yeah. Can you just like order some? Well, like, well, that's it's, like, like it's Instacart, just, bring you babies. You need amenities. <laughs> Like, now I think you can get, like, fetus facials or something if you wanted to. Um, So, I just, yeah, it just seems like a lot of work. But, I mean, yeah, if you're free, you feel good about it, do it. (laughs) I guess you don't have shit else to do but hunt babies. I mean, I think think what Eggers has said is that he didn't really set out to make 
a, a feminist empower a female empowerment story but mm-hmm. he said that once you start looking into this and researching it and talking about how witchcraft pervaded the imaginations of this culture it was kind of impossible to avoid sure. those issues because that's really what was at the heart of it yeah he says from a contemporary perspective looking back it's clear that in the early modern period the evil witch represents men's fears and ambivalence and fantasies about female power and in this super male dominated society the evil witch is also women's fears and ambivalence and fantasies and desire about their own power. It's a tragedy to read about a young girl upsetting someone, and since she didn't think she could have the kind of power to create that reaction, it has to be the devil. And thus she thinks she's an evil witch. It's mm. chilling. So that idea that if I'm having these thoughts... They are not my own. Right. It mm-hmm. must be the devil doing it, instead of just saying, yes, no, I have this. I have the power to do this. I have mm-hmm. the power to... Mm-hmm. And that's, that's again, what I like about that scene where she confronts her father and just tells him the truth. He immediately says, oh, the devil is speaking through right, you. Right, Like, I have to listen to this devil tongue in your mouth or whatever. It's like, no, that's, that's, me. that's her. I've been here. I've been watching this all along. Like, I know you now. I've figured you out. Yeah. This is me telling you, you are a shitty, <laughs> shitty guy. <laughs> so is this, is this a horror movie? Yes. Okay. Did you find it scary? I found it scary in very particular ways. So I think it's scary to live in a puritanical society. (laughs) (laughs) Which, to some extent, we still do. This is all in the fabric. Um, So less about the witches is more about, I would not want to be anywhere in that space. So that was scary. I mean, I think the, the character of the witch just visually was unpleasant. And... Those kids were weird with that goat. <laughs> so that was a little bit like, hmm. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, to a certain extent. And, I mean, again, it, it, it did sort of tap into my own sort of dormant hell, heaven. Fear, fear. hell, fire. Uh, yeah. Okay. Well, okay, so that maybe brings us full circle back to, you know, in the beginning, you were, I think you were talking about being on the side of the witches Mm -hmm. and having a little witch envy, I think. (laughs) Of like, if you could have those powers, you would enjoy having those powers. Asterisk, if I could order baby blood. (laughs) I don't want to have to, like, do all the work to get the baby blood. Okay, Okay, but so what I'm asking is, if if you have the choice, are are you signing the devil's book to get the witchy powers? Mm -hmm. Or are you going to... Or is your fear of hell stronger? <laughs> I'm putting you to a spiritual dilemma. That is here. a yeah. Well, but, and this is presuming that if you could have the powers, are inherently evil. Would you risk your immortal soul mm-hmm. to you know be able to make mean bitches' hair fall out or to knock kids off the bike like Carrie does? I know you always wanted Carrie powers, so Carrie you know. is awesome. Oh, uh, yeah. It's a tough call, isn't it? It is a tough call. I mean, I would want to if I could be a good witch. <laughs> Maybe. Uh, yeah, no, I mean, I would like to keep my immortal soul if at all possible. Okay. I can get butter. <laughs> I can buy butter. <laughs> Probably not as good as the devil's butter, but I can get butter. <laughs> that sounds dirty. <laughs> he was a goat. <laughs> Anything else to say about the Vavitch? No. <laughs> okay. So we've come to the end of our Halloween marathon for another year. Woohoo! <laughs> How, how'd you like it? Four new classics that will be on your permanent rotation. This year actually was not bad. What the fuck did I watch? Let's see if you can even remember. The fuck? <laughs> <laughs> can you name 
any of the other movies we watched. So we watched The Vivitch. We watched, yeah, mm-hmm, good. We watched Werewolf in London. <laughs> we did. We watched uh, Eraserhead. Yeah. What came after Eraserhead? This is terrible. <laughs> it was last, so last week is the one you're missing. Is trash. Uh, <laughs> what the fuck did we watch? Oh, nope. What was it? <laughs> <laughs> you you looked like you had it for a I minute. Thought I did. <laughs> what was it? <laughs> Body snatchers. Body snatchers. That's right. I was gonna say the blob. Body snatchers. <laughs> <laughs> yes, body snatchers. So of those, uh huh. What was the best one? Uh, for some reason, I keep wanting to say Edward Scissorhands. For Eraserhead. Yes, I do not know. Very different movies. Super different. I do not know why I'm doing that. They both start with E, so you're just doing an alphabetical thing. Maybe that's what's happening. And a hair thing. I don't know. <laughs> um, so Eraserhead, hands down, was my favorite movie of this season. Okay. After that would probably be Vivitch. Yeah, that's what I thought. Then Body Snatchers, and then fucking. And least of all, yeah, American just World in did London. Not enjoy that. We got to you too late with that one. Is that what happened? Mm, or is it just not great? <laughs> so I will thank you for Eraser Hands. <laughs> <laughs> no, you, you have to get the title right if you're going to. No, I'm going to call it Eraser Hands from now Eraser on. Eraser Hands. <laughs> Imagine that we're Eraser Hands with the baby. Oh my God. We have to make it. We have to do it now. It has to be done. And then the scene where he's with the neighbor in like the milky waterbed and he has his scissor hands. <laughs> poking holes in the shit. Not a good mashup. Pulling the sperm out with those scissor hands, a little like wormy sperm. Unswaddling the Unswaddling baby. Unswaddling the baby. Whoops, too far. Hands. Yeah. <laughs> Fucking brilliant. Somebody mash it up. Do okay. it. We'll, we'll get to work on that. They raise our hands. <laughs> okay, that's a wrap. Yeah. We're done. <laughs> That's our show. We want to thank you for listening, and we hope you'll join us again for the next episode of The Unenthusiastic Critic. Nikki and I are going to go back to a roughly bi-weekly <laughs> schedule for the immediate future. Roughly's done a lot of work there. Yes, it is. <laughs> and that means our next episode will be yet another annual tradition here at The Unenthusiastic Critic when we celebrate Noir-vember. I hate that word. <laughs> a month-long celebration of film noir. And though I haven't completely decided yet, I'm pretty sure we're going to watch a neo-noir this year and sit down for Nakia's first viewing of 1996's Bound from the Wachowskis. Oh, Jennifer Tilly. Jennifer Tilly. You mentioned when we talked about the Chucky movies that you have a love for Jennifer Tilly, so I think you might enjoy this one. Awesome. In the meantime, you can find us on the web at unaffiliatedcritic.com, where you can find additional episodes, leave us a comment, make a donation, or sign up to receive email notifications when new episodes are released. And since our schedule may get a little erratic, I highly recommend doing that last one. Or follow us on Twitter at FreeRangeCritic. In any of these places, we encourage you to suggest a film Nakia desperately needs to see to make her life complete. Until next time, remember, true love means conning your partner into watching movies they really, really don't want to watch. 
Oh, I meant to tell you, uh, Robert Eggers, when he was, before he did feature films, he made short films. Mm -hmm. And one of, one of the short films he did, and this, you know, makes him a brother to you, <laughs> is he, he did an adaptation of uh, Edgar Allan Poe's The Telltale Heart. Mm, near and dear. <laughs> Which I believe near you adapted in, what was that, grade school? <laughs> yeah, I think it was like middle school. Yeah. Uh, I don't even know why we were doing this, <laughs> or like if I had my own little private extra moment because I don't remember anybody else. Been an extra credit project. Yeah, I don't remember anybody else's presentation, but for some reason, either I by myself <laughs> <laughs> or the entire class was reading Edgar Allan Poe Telltale Heart, uh -huh. and it was a group project, and we had to sort of present the Telltale Heart okay. to the class, and so I played the uh, protagonist. Who was also the murderer, right? The protagonist. Uh-huh. Okay. Uh, and we had turned the lights out, and I had had this brilliant idea, brilliant in quotes, that I would make body parts <laughs> and have this, like, special effects moment in the middle of the presentation. So I, like, cut up pajama pants and then stuffed them with newspaper to make, like, legs and then cut off the arms of a shirt and made, like, an arm. And so took that to class. And so at the moment where, you know, he's pulling up the floorboards. Right, the body's supposed to be right. beneath the floorboard right. he imagines he's hearing the ticking the heart. ticking of the heart ripping up the floorboards and then i throw the body parts <laughs> see i don't i don't think that's did not happen absolutely i don't believe that is is textually if, accurate. if anybody had taken a test on the telltale heart they would have failed because it would have been that weird ass ending <laughs> oh and then edgar Allan poe says that you know they throw the body the parts starts throwing out right it's like somebody limbs. doing you know were they like bloody were they scarlet how, letter how and talking about demi Moore? um no i didn't do i I wasn't that dark. <laughs> But I just thought it was it was a better... I'm improving upon Poe. I thought it would, <laughs> it would create a better effect. So, like, the classroom is dark. We've gone through this whole thing. You're building up the tension. We're pulling up the floor. It also, like, fucks up the point of that story. Because the point is, like, there's no body there. There's no... Like, it was totally... <laughs> right. it's, psycholo it's psychological. <laughs> it's psychological. Right. I was like, no, this needs to be literal. <laughs> we need to throw... And so we needed to throw body parts into the class. So, see, you, you were a lover of horror... Even I, way back I was. Then. I'm a. I like. I fell in love with Poe at a very probably weird age. <laughs> and and felt you could improve. And felt on him. You know what it's missing. <laughs> 3D effects. 